going to be in the book of Acts, chapter number three, verses number one. Let's go ahead and dive into the text. Um, this is going to just be a springboard for where we're going for the rest of uh, this day and for the next four or five weeks in this series. The Bible declares one day Peter and John were going up uh, to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man was lame. Somebody shout lame from birth. So he got some issues that it just didn't develop. It wasn't an accident. He was born this way. He was lame from birth, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. Verse number five declares, so the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he told him to get up, somebody shout, and walk. Seven declares, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet. And began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Lord, we know that your word is already blessed. I pray, God, that you would open the hearts and minds of your people to receive words from you today and not from Greg. Hiding myself now behind the cross. Men may not give honor, glory to Greg. All glory goes to you, and it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says... So a couple of weeks ago, man, I was, um, I was really, really torn um, with some thoughts that got rested up on my heart. Um, we were in the middle of a series, Why Suffering, and I really enjoyed teaching that. And then the series kind of took a turn, and, and the question came to the forefront of my mind, not just why suffering, why hell? And so I know that I had to, to, to deal with this, this, this idea of eternal separation from God eternal damnation. And listen, that is never a, an, an easy message for me to minister because the reality is there are people in hell right now. So just how I preach to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord for the believer. For those who all of their lives have rejected Christ, when they leave this, this place, they go into a temporary place called hell. Hell, in the end, will be emptied into the lake of fire. So that was a very challenging message for me um, to, to, to prepare for and to minister. So I'm about a week and a half out preparing, knowing I have to, to, to minister this. So I'm doing my study, going over my scriptures, praying. And I get a phone call, and uh, somebody wants me to minister at a funeral. And that's okay because I just said yes because I, 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 enjoy, I enjoy ministering to people in settings like that because God has a way of transforming pain into power. And I love how he does that, how he ministers through me to encourage people through difficult times. So I just said yes. So later on, a couple of days later, I start praying about what I should minister at this particular homegoing celebration and I could not get my Sunday message out of my head, eternal damnation. Now, I don't have, I don't have funeral messages. I do have funeral themes. I, I try to preach messages of hope, messages of purposes, uh, messages where people take the pain, process it into power. I have certain themes, but I couldn't get this hell message out of my head. So what I start doing, Pop, I stopped studying for Sunday. And this is like Wednesday or Thursday. 
So I just stopped studying all along because I said, maybe I'm so consumed with this message that I can't get it out of my out of my head and it's messing up what I'm supposed to minister to this family. And so I continue to pray and God just reinforced that I want you to preach this message about eternal damnation. So I'm, I'm coming up on Saturday and I'm, I'm getting ready to minister to this family. And I'm like, God, I've never preached this at a funeral before. I don't know if they're going to stone me or what, <laughs> but I'm scared. So I get through with the message. It's well received. The family is encouraged. People give their lives to Christ. Same message I minister it on Sunday, still with trepidation in my heart, still some insecurity. And I've been doing this for, for over 20 years now, but there's still some insecurity I feel when, when God unctions me to minister certain messages. I minister it again Sunday. Somebody calls me again to do another funeral the upcoming Friday, and I'm like, well, I'm glad I'm over the hell messages. <laughs> That's what I said. And, and then God said, preach it again. So I preached it three times. And then after the third time, I'm like, I'm glad, for real, I'm over the hell message. And then the following Sunday, I stay in the same vein. I got to recap what I preached last Sunday to, to dive into. So four, almost four, four times in a row, I minister almost the same message. And so after the fourth time, um, I get this this voicemail, somebody calls me um, from, a, from a block number, and uh, it, was, it was maybe like three or four o'clock that evening, and I'm still kind of tripping because, um, again, I've been doing this for a while, but still sometimes insecurity slips in, and I have to deal with that. I have to process that and all that kind of wonderful stuff. So four o'clock, three, four o'clock, I get this, this, this phone call. It's from an, um, a block number, and I decide I'm not going to answer that. I'm, you know, they, sh- they should have not block themselves. So it goes to voicemail, and I want to read you what, what this particular lady has to say, um, because I'm, I'm, I was tripping for a while. See, she says, this message is for empowerment ministries. Okay? The racism inside your church has to stop towards my family and my household. That's what I said. I would like the spiritual abuse the physical and emotional abuse to stop. That's what I said. (laughs) Not everybody has the same thoughts. Not everybody has the same interpretation out of the Bible as you do. And that does not mean that they are not believers. Everyone has a path that is from God. And to disrupt it because of your own personal and spiritual belief is not okay. We have freedom in the United States of America, red, yellow, black, and white. Understand that racism is not all one color, and when you interfere with someone else's purpose based on your own thinking, that is a real big form of spiritual abuse, and it needs to stop. Stay out of my path and my family members. We go elsewhere. We go where the Holy Spirit leads us. Stay out of our path because of your abuse. I hope that is clear. Do not go through our town. Do not go through our community. Do not cause coercion any longer or hurt us, I am giving you a verbal warning, a verbal no contact order. So after Sunday evening, I'm already tired. And then not only tired, I'm, I'm still feeling some type of way because I don't know how the message went over. Pop, you know how it is. Sometimes you preach and the only thing, only justification you have in your spirit is that you obeyed God. So I'm trying to place this woman because I, I don't know, based on her message, I don't know if she, she came to the church, 
she, I don't, she couldn't have been a member. <laughs> we hadn't even taken in members in the year that had. Praise the Lord. So if you've come to this church twice, you a member. <laughs> you a member. Don't even, well, I ain't really joined. You a member. <laughs> I'm going to look at this side so you don't see me looking at you. Praise the Lord. Welcome to EMCC. You a member. So I'm trying to place her. Is she a, she a part here? Was it somebody in the community? Because I'm, she said, the racism in your church has to stop. I'm like, right, right. I, I just don't know. The spiritual abuse, the physical abuse, emotional abuse. I'm trying to, I was trying to highlight physical abuse. What is that all about? I, I just, I, I, don't, I don't know. And then she said, we have freedom in the United States. What in the world that's got to do with anything? We go elsewhere. We go with it. And I'm, at this point in the voice message, I'm like, you need to go somewhere else then. <laughs> Stay out of our path because of your abuse. And then when I got to this final part, because I, I wrote it out, I wrote it out. Because how many know all criticism ain't from the devil? <laughs> right? And, and I'm going to deal with that. I'm gonna, I, I, I at least have four messages. I, I want to deal, next week I'm, we're going to deal with this idea of when, criti- when your critics are right. We're going to deal with that next week. When they're actually right. When God is actually speaking through the voice of your haters. But you don't want to hear them because you don't like them. If God would have said it through anybody else, you would have received it. But because he said it through him, we'll deal with that next week. Then after that, we're going to deal with constructive criticism, how to give it. Because if you're in any form of influence, leadership, doesn't have to have a title. You could be a mom. You could be a dad. You need to learn how to give criticism constructively. And then finally, we're going to deal with the inner critic on the inside, that voice inside your head that tells you what you're not and what you cannot do. Matter of fact, some of you all are self-destructing because you talk yourself out of blessings. So we're in this series of criticism, but today I want to deal with destructive criticism. I'm talking about the voice of the enemy and the voice when he speaks through, in, through individuals for the express purpose to get you to stop. When I got to this part of the voicemail, when she said, don't go through our town, don't go through our community, I am giving you a verbal warning. I knew right then that this, this is not just natural, that this is the devil. Because this is what the enemy wants the ministry to do. This is what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to stop obeying God and being all that God desires for you to be. Can somebody say amen to that? So the question is, what what do you do with criticism? Real talk, real talk, because I'll get something like this. I don't get this often. I'll get something like this maybe once, maybe twice a year. Somebody will either approach me in a, you know, a crazy way or they'll write a letter or leave a voicemail or something. I don't get that every day. I, the most stuff that I get is the stuff that I'm not supposed to hear about me. <laughs> the stuff that was said so-called in confidence. Too funny. This was like two weeks ago. I ran into a guy, but he's a friend of a friend. He's a friend of a friend. He was sloppy drunk. Sloppy drunk, I stopped to check on him, make sure everything was everything. And he says, what's up, what's up, how you doing, man? I said, what's up, dog? I said, you look like you're having a little rough time. Yeah, I really am having a rough time, man. And so we started talking back and forth. He said, you know what, man? I don't believe nothing what they say about you. <laughs> I said, well, tell me what they say. Who, who, who's saying it? Man, you know who said it. He started naming names. 
He said, do what they said about you, man, but I know it ain't true, man. They just, they just hating on you, man. They just hating on you. So I get stuff like that, stuff I'm not supposed to hear. Here's the question. What do you do with this criticism? Yeah. So I was in, I was in prayer last night. Actually, I was on the phone with a buddy last night, and, but my mind was on the message. And, and so I'm trying to get to what it is that God is actually trying to say. And, and, and this, this, is, this is what I heard God say to me. He says, he says that the enemy is trying to get you to act out. That's what the devil is trying to do with the critics that he's sending your way. He's trying to push you to a place where you're on E and you're forced to act in your flesh and you wind up embarrassing your God, embarrassing your church, messing up your reputation. Come on, somebody. Because all of these critical words you keep hearing about what God has called you to do. Can somebody say amen to that? So watch this. Here's, 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 here's a thought. Here's a thought. Anybody, anybody been criticized here lately about anything that God, that you know you're supposed to be doing? Yeah. So according to Joel Beek, wonderful book he wrote on pastors called Pastors and Their Critics, he says to avoid criticism, all you got to do is nothing, say nothing, and be nothing, and won't nobody talk about you. If you choose to do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing, you ain't got to worry about nothing. Because all, all of these things that I've heard over the past 14 years, notice this. I didn't hear none, none of them, Pop. When I was in, when I was in uh, Turkey Creek on Thursday nights with 15 little people, I didn't hear none of these critics talking about stuff that we were doing in the church. It wasn't because how many know somebody shout, God wants to take me higher? Shout again, God wants to take me higher. How many, how many of y'all actually believe that? The reality is the higher you go, the more visible you become, and the more visible you are to other people, the more critics develop, you develop. It's interesting. One of, one of my favorite characters, and, and I, I just love, I love the coloration of how God describes his call. And I'm, I minister from him all the time, Jeremiah 1 and 4, where the Bible declares, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I, I knew you before you came out of her belly. I sanctified you. I set you apart. I consecrated you as a prophet unto the nation. It's, it's interesting. He has a supernatural visitation from God concerning his call. Now, now, let me pause there for a second. Has anybody in here ever had any type of supernatural manifestation from God? Anybody? In any type, in any form, it could be due to your calling, it could be a, a dream, it could be some revelation that God has given you. Understand that when God does that, understand the principle or, or the purpose in why God does that. God often solidifies your call in an extreme way because it juxtaposes or it contradicts, watch this, the, the extreme or the enormous criticism that you're going to receive because of your call. So he goes to Jeremiah and he says, I need you to know for sure that it's me calling you to do this. That this is not your flesh, this is not just your own mind, but this is me telling you to do this. And the reason you need to know this is because you're getting ready to run into some opposition and you're going to want to quit. And when you're thinking about quitting, you need to be reminded of what I said to you. Can somebody say amen to that? Before I get to my foundational, I just want to highlight just a couple of things. In Jeremiah 18, 18, the Bible declares, the people came, because watch this, it, 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 sounds, <laughs> it sounds real good. It sounds real good. Jeremiah was called to the nations. 
Now, if somebody prophesied that over me and they said, you're called to the nations, and, I, and I've heard certain prophetic words concerning that before, that, 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 that my, my ministry is more international than natural, than national. So, so, so Jeremiah, you're called to the nations. I can imagine being here, this young prophet, hearing this and feeling this self-importance. And it feels good to know that you're called to the nations until the nations start turning against you. Until the nations start... <laughs> In Jeremiah 18, this is what the nation said. Let's plot a way to stop Jeremiah. Let's spread rumors about him and ignore what he says. Now, this is a true prophet from God. 20 and 1 says, the priest in charge of the temple of the Lord heard what Jeremiah was prophesying. He heard the word from God, and the Bible declares he had him arrested, and he had the prophet whipped and put in stocks. This is Jeremiah's response when we get to chapter number 20, verses 9. Jeremiah says, I will not make mention of him nor speak anymore in his name. Jeremiah said, I'm done. I'm finished. I don't want to do this anymore. And that's where some of you all are right now. Because I don't believe that God would be sending a word like this if somebody wasn't dealing with what I'm talking about right now. Can somebody say Amen. Jeremiah had came to a point where he wanted to just ease up a little bit. I don't want to do this no more, but he said, but his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing and I could not, he said, I could not stay there. I could not stop doing what it is that God has called me to do. So quitting, somebody shout, quitting is not an option. Say it again, quitting is not an option. That ain't everybody. Everybody shout, quitting is not an option. It's not an option. Don't care what your haters say. Don't care what your critics are saying about you. I don't even care how it makes you feel. At the end of the day, I must do what it is that God has called me to do. Shout it one more time. Quitting is not an option. So watch this. When we get to the story of the lame man, Bible declares Peter and John, it's the time to pray. They're getting ready to go into the temple, consecrated hour. They run into this beggar who's a lame man. He's been begging from youth. He was born this way. There was no accident. It was no uh, uh, circumstance that caused him to be lame. He was born this way all of his life. The beggar asked Peter and John for something because this is what I do. This is how I provide for myself. This is how I eat. I stay here and I depend, up, I depend upon the benevolence of other people. And so Peter and John looks at him and he says, silver and gold we have not, but what we do have we give unto you in the name of the Lord Jesus, get up and walk. They took the man by the hand, and watch this, a man that has never walked in all of his life, grown man now, raises up on his feet and for the first time is walking. Now you would think if you did a miracle like that, people would be excited. You would think that people would celebrate you. You would think that people would give you applause. You would think, come on, y'all, come on. I'm talking about being a good mother. You would think that people would respect the standards that you have concerning your children. But oftentimes, they spend more time criticizing you, telling you, oh, it don't take all of that. You being too hard on them. You bringing them to church to get the devil is absolutely alive. Yes, I'm bringing my babies to church again. You would think people would applaud you for the good works that you're doing, for the, for the good attitude. Do you know there'll be, there are people that criticize you just for smiling? 
Oh, there go happy. I, I know Jeff. Watch the, I know Jeff get it. There go the shoe guy with that big old smile. People will hate on you just for being happy, just for having joy. And these boys did a notable miracle. And, and, and instead of receiving, receiving accolades, receiving celebration, when we get to verse number three, the Bible declares they seized Peter and John. And because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. Here's verse number four. I love it. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew about 5,000. It's, it's crazy because even in the midst of persecution, the scripture declares in Exodus, the more they persecuted them, the more they multiplied and they grew. Somebody shout, the devil can't stop my ministry. Say it again, the devil can't stop my ministry. The devil can't stop it, but what he wants to do is get in your head because you are the only one who can stop it. When your yes turns into a maybe, when your yes turns into I don't know, when your yes turns into a no, you are the one who pumps the brake on your own. Understand, God takes the brakes off your ministry. You can go as high as you want to go. You can go as far as you want to go. So if God takes the brakes off and the devil can't put the brakes on, come on somebody, the most that he can do is get in your head and convince you that you need to stop. So I'm going to put enough critics around you. I'm going to put enough people around you to put a pressure on you to make you try to stop yourself. But the devil is absolutely a liar. These boys continue to advance. Verse number five declares, the next day the rulers and elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power or what name did you do this? Now, now it's interesting what Peter is getting ready to say and how he says it. Verse number eight declares, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Somebody shall fill with the Holy Spirit. The Bible declares, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said. Now let me just break it down just for a moment. Because after this point, it really don't matter what he says. What's important is the spirit he said it out of. Here's the question. God help me. When you do get a chance to speak to your critics, do they hear the spirit of your flesh? I'm going to put my own stuff on blast. You know, God is, you know, even when you're crazy, God is faithful. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> even when you're crazy, God is faithful. Let me tell you why. Because this woman called me and left a message from a, a no-caller ID. That's what it says. So she did something on purpose to block the call and then leave the message. Here's what she failed to realize. With my carrier, I can go online and look at all the numbers who called me. It doesn't matter whether you blocked your number or not. If you called and I answered, I can see the number that called from. So I decided to call her back. And, and let me tell let me say, let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you who didn't help me. Let me tell you, Sister Jamie, uh, Brother Chris, uh, Sister Jazz, DJ, they was all at the house, and they didn't give me no words of wisdom or counsel. They were like, get them, Pastor. Get them. <laughs> she likes to put it on speaker. 
It was a blessing that that woman of God didn't pick up. Because she wouldn't have got God. She would have got Greg that day. She wouldn't even got Pastor Greg. She just would have got. Because I'm tripping. You talking about racism? In my church, you talking about abuse? Who, who hitting on somebody? Y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. Now, we, now we're, we're, we're small enough congregation. If somebody hitting on somebody, come on. We, we, look, we all know. And then you talking about you giving me a no contact order. You said, don't go in your community. If I knew you live, Jesus, y'all, y'all better pray for y'all, pastor. But I like the fact that the Bible declared, look, I'm, I'm not even going to highlight Pop what he said. I want to highlight the idea, the spirit in which he spoke to them. The Bible declares, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, so God is even challenging me that some, somebody shout, the critics are coming. The critics are coming. The critics are coming. How do I know they're coming? Because I'm telling you, God is getting ready to elevate your life. He's getting ready to take you to the next level. And the higher you go, the more visible you become. The more visible you become, the more critics become a target for you. So when they come, what are they going to find? Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Now let me just leave here just for a moment. And I want to go to Luke 12, 11. Because Jesus prepared his disciples for this moment. In Luke chapter number 12, verses number 11, I pray you get something out of this. Jesus says, preparing them for the persecution and the criticism that they're going to receive because of their obedience to Christ. He says, when you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities... Do not worry. Somebody shout, don't worry. Now, now, look at what he's going to say, don't worry about. Don't worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you, somebody shout, at that time. Now, I'm telling you, I was, Sister Leanna, I was convicted, I was cut. I was bleeding spiritually all over the place because of this right here. Let me tell you what I have done in the past and what some of y'all are doing right now. Yeah. So you know you got an issue at work, right? And you know, you know Monday morning, they going to come with the dumb stuff. So what you do is you spend your entire weekend playing out about four or five scenarios of what they going to say and how you going to cut their knees off from under them because some of y'all, woo-wee, you don't cuss no more, but you still know how to use them words to make it feel like you've been cussed out. Can I get it? Don't, no, don't, don't give me no witnesses. So, Sister Toya, this is what I did. I, 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 Googled, I Googled this question. How much energy is required in thinking? I, I just Googled that question. And so Google gave me the answer. And it says that the brain comprises of an average of two pounds. But the, but the mind consumes over 20% of your daily energy. 20%. That's why stress makes you fatigue, makes you tired. 
Now watch this. You only have so much time in the day to give to God, and not only time, you only have so much energy to give to God. If you spend this 20% rehearsing a situation that may or may not even happen, trying to come up with words of how you're going to defend yourself and how you're going to stand up for yourself and how you ain't going to let nobody run over you and you're going to give them a piece of your mind. Anybody ever said that? I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. Anybody ever said that? You better stop giving pieces or you don't have a mind. It's quiet up in here for real. Are y'all okay? The scripture declares, put 12 and 11 back on the screen, sir. It says, don't worry about how you will defend yourself. Now, that's, that's interesting because... For, for someone who knows that haters are going to come, don't worry about how you're going to defend yourself, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time. When we, get to, when we get to Acts chapter number 4, verse number 8, that's exactly what happened. Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, and he responds with the words that God gives him at that particular moment. Um, this is a side note. If God don't give you nothing to say, don't say nothing. You might be given the opportunity to speak and to defend yourself, but if God ain't talking to you, because how many know some battles are won in silence? The scripture teaches that we should hold our peace and let the Lord fight our battle. Can somebody say amen to that? But the Holy Spirit gives him words, and he ministers words to the people of God. Now, now I'm almost done. I pray you're getting some. When we get to Luke, no, Acts, Acts 4.13, the Bible declares when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Man, that's so good. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could. <laughs> my wife, my wife, too funny, one of her relatives, they, they were criticizing us. Um, this, this was years, years ago. Um, um, I can't remember what Aisha asked. It was something. She was young, maybe like nine to ten years old. And my wife told her she couldn't do it or she couldn't go somewhere. And uh, one of the family members said, you too hard on her. You too hard on her. You, you, you need to let up some, some. And my wife looked at him and said, let me raise my kids my way. And you raise your kids your way. And when we get old, when they get old, we'll see who did the better job. I'm telling you, if you're doing it God's way, your results are going to speak for themselves. Verse 14, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. When I heard this message and I processed it, I'm trying to, see, because I understand that God does speak through my haters sometimes. He speaks through my critics sometimes, and I'm open to hear the word of the Lord. But I couldn't hear anything substantial in her, in her critique of this ministry. You talked about abuse. Where is it at? You talked about emotion. Where is it at? You talked about spiritual. What, it, what in particular went on in the situation? You talked about racism. Where, what, who said something to you? Who did something to you? There was nothing at all substantial. And just like these jokers here, they have nothing substantial to bring against the men of God. 
it was nothing that they could say. So verse number 23, on their release, somebody shout, they had to let them go. Had to let them go. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Now, I'm done, but it's, it's a couple of things that I want to highlight in that prayer. Yeah, they, they go back and they tell what happened. They, they reported it. And then they begin to pray. All right. Verses 25 through 28 is just a, it's a praise. They, 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 they open their prayer just giving thanks to God, giving praise to God, adoration to God. You're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you raised him up, and you did this, and you're marvelous, and you're wonderful. They just open with praise. When we get to verse number 29, hmm, they ask in particular for something. They said, now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. 30 declares, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your Lord, through your holy servant, Jesus. So in essence, they ask for more strength, more grace to do what I'm called to do, and not only for the strength, for the boldness, give the accompanying signs that prove that you're with me. I want to help just for a moment. Don't just give me the boldness to do it, but give, give fruitful evidence to all of those who would criticize and critique me out of their flesh. You, you do the proving. Now, now I, I want to pause there because I just felt something. Because there are some of you all, I don't know who you are, but you're spending unnecessary energy trying to prove yourself to other people, and it's not of God. I don't need you to prove that you call the preach, just preach. Don't just, don't try to prove you call the prophesy, just prophesy. Don't try to prove that you have changed, just re remain in the change that God has done on the inside of you. God has not called you to prove, watch this, he hadn't called you to ministry and then wants you to validate the ministry that he called you to. No, he called you to minister. Because you know what they told, I, I told y'all what they told me when I, when I told them that I was called to preach. They said, you can't preach because you can't sing. That's what they told me. How you going to pass the church and you can't even sing? And I was so intimidated growing up because all the other pastors, all the other preachers, they start out slow. They, like I'm starting out a little slow, but you know, they tune up at the end and they sing their way on out. Well, I'll be honest, I tried that one time. And it didn't work for me. I tuned up and I started coughing. <coughs> Y'all, hold on. <laughs> Let me try it again. No, God was saying, fool, that ain't for you. Teach the word, and that is what I have called you to do. They pray for the boldness to continue doing what God has called them to do. And then they ask for God to validate it. Somebody need to pray that prayer right now. Because, because circumstances in some form or fashion has intimidated you from moving forward. Notice, hmm, that's good too. Notice that they did not pray against their adversaries. Hmm. I'm just using this story as a template 
for us as believers to follow in this season. Because I know this, this, this when, when stuff publicly comes to me like this, it's, it's, only, it's only a sign that it's a whole bunch of other mess under the surface that I hadn't heard yet, but it's there. So if it's coming, let me posture myself and let me follow the, the game plan that these other men of God followed and they came out okay, they came out successfully. So they didn't pray that their critics stopped because how many know your critics are not going to stop? How many know your haters are not going to stop hating on you? How many know people, when, when, when people have in their own heads an alt against you, there's nothing that you can do within yourself to remedy that? If somebody just don't like you, they just don't like you. I had this one guy come to me, this one guy came to me, and he said, this was years ago, he said, man, I'm going to be honest with you, I really didn't used to like you. But I started seeing stuff that you're doing in the community, and you know, I changed my mind. Now, I walked away from that conversation before I said something to really make him not like me. Because what I really wanted to say was, how is that going to affect me at all? That you didn't like me, but now you like me now. Should have told him, sow a seed. Because <laughs> I'm good ground. I should have told him that. They prayed, they prayed, they prayed for boldness, and then they prayed for God to manifest. Um, final thought, and then... I'm going to elaborate on this final thought. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting, verse number 31, was shaken, and they were all, somebody shout, they were filled. Okay, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I need you to hear me. I need you to hear my heart. Because the scripture declares that when they gave Peter an opportunity to explain, to respond to the criticism the Bible declares that Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, at that moment, filled with the Holy Spirit, he began to speak. When we get to the latter part of this text, they have been beat, they have been whipped, they have been publicly criticized, um, 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 opposition has come against them, and the scripture declares the way God responds to them is that he fills them with the Holy Spirit. Watch this, in the book of Acts chapter number 2, the Bible declares when the day of Pentecost was fully come, 50 days, 50 days after the resurrection, when it had fully come, verse 2 and 3, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them, somebody shout, they were filled. Say it again, they were filled. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Pause for a second, because what we see in Acts chapter number 2, verses number 4, these are the same believers, Peter, John, his crew, the people who are following God, that we see in Acts chapter number 4, verse number 31. What, what's, what's going on? They were already filled. But because you are, you are a leaking vessel... You stand in the need of a refilling after persecution, after trials, after tribulations. Now, I used to wonder why 
some of the saints that I was around who claimed to be filled with the Holy Ghost were some of the meanest people I knew in the world. And this is why. It's because they based their experience of feeling on something that happened 50 years ago. And since 50 years ago, they have been persecuted, they have been mocked, they have been laughed at, they have been criticized, watch this, and they are now currently in need of a refilling, but won't, oh, God help me, Jesus, Jesus, won't spit, can I go ahead and go there? They won't tarry again like they used to tarry when they first got the experience because they above that now. So they make everybody else tarry on the altar and they clap their hands and they encourage you to have that first time experience like they had it, but in all actuality, they need it again because they have been spiritually drained. Now, how are you going to fight a 100% devil on half a tank? And that's what some of you all are missing it because you on 50% and you excited about something that happened last Sunday or happened last month on the inside of you, but you have been drained. I'm talking about just being a faithful husband, being a faithful wife. Come on, somebody. Going through the criticism on your job, walking through, oh God, walking through Walmart and choosing not to lust at all the half dress. I don't know what you got on in the world, woman. Come on, somebody. But you need to be somewhere else clothed other than Walmart with what you got on. Walking through Walmart, come on, somebody, and holding up your integrity, choosing not to lust. It drains you of energy. And if you are drained and the enemy confronts you with something crazy like this, nine and a half times out of ten, they're not going to get the Holy Spirit. They're going to get your flesh, and your flesh is always a mess. So the Bible declares, the Bible declares that these same believers that got filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts number chapter number two, when we get to chapter number four, they get a refilling. My question is, it's not even, have you been filled? Have you had a refill lately? Have you had a refill lately? Because watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. So, I have willpower, okay? This, this is willpower. My, my willpower says, don't look, don't go there. It says, don't watch that, don't do that, okay? That's, that's willpower. But above my willpower, watch this, Holy Ghost power. <laughs> so my willpower says, don't do it. Holy Ghost power says, give you strength not to do it. Willpower say, don't, uh, you, you shouldn't say that. Holy Ghost power says, I'm going to make it easier for you not to say it. I'm going to step in. So, so watch, watch this, watch this. As you go, as you go through, because understand, I believe that spirit feeling is a subsequent sal- experience after salvation. I believe that. Why? I believe that God separated the two because he wanted you to be saved by grace alone, not by works. But when it comes to the spirit, when it comes to you being filled with the Holy Spirit, there is a work of surrender that you have to do. Can somebody say amen to that? 
So I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about you being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to perform the ministry that God has called you to. So I have willpower, but then I have the Holy Spirit power. But as I go throughout my day-to-day routine, my week-to-week routine, physically giving energy, spiritually giving energy, encouraging people, being a strength to other people, trying to do right in my own life, spiritually I leak. And there are some of you all who are spiritually low, and the only thing that you're dependent upon is willpower. Problem is your willpower, your will is getting low. And when your spiritual power is low and your willpower is low, now it's easy for you to cuss again. Now it's easy for you to go back into dumb stuff that, you, you, that God delivered you from again. It's, it's real quiet up in here now. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, have you had a refill lately? Why are you here, pastor? Because the pressure is coming. The criticism is coming. The haters are coming. There's no possible way that God can take you higher and it doesn't attract the eye. Do you know that you're in the devil's post, shop, post office? He has your picture in his post office of people that he has targeted. And you, congratulations. You made the list. Thank you, Jesus. Book of Luke, chapter number 11, verse number 11. I don't think I have this on the screen. The Bible declares, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a, steak, a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Okay. So this is what happened. Um, this lady who, who called, um, this was like three weeks ago when she left this voice message. So I know now that it's, it's something going on mentally with her. Some, something's really going on mentally because she called back. <laughs> she called back and she asked, she said, is this Empowerment Ministries Christian Center? I said, this is, and um, <laughs> she didn't get all of Greg, but she got a little of him. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So I said, ma'am, I, I received your message the other day, um, and, and I'd, like to, I'd like to get understanding, like, what, what exactly happened? And she said, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And I said, no, r- real, seriously, I, I want to I help if I can. You, you called, you left a voice message, and, and, and you said that, you know, it's racism, there's abuse in the church, and so forth and so on. How, how can I help you with that? She says, I just called for prayer. So I said, I ain't praying for you. <laughs> Don't call me again. And so she hung up. And she called back. And this I knew she was, she was over the top. She called and she said, I'm looking for June Hunt. Do y'all know who June Hunt is? 
June Hunt is the Christian psychologist. And I'm thinking to myself, you definitely need June Hunt. <laughs> so she called again last night. <laughs> I'm tripping. And, and, and call and, and hung up, call again, hung up, call again, hung up. So I went online and, and so I started calling her and calling her. And then it hit me. I'm preparing a message that I ain't listening to myself. Brothers, <laughs> okay. can I? I'm just being real. I'm being, Brother Landra, I'm, 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 I'm preparing, watch this, to help the saints. <laughs> Y'all, come on now. I'm, be, I'm, I'm preparing to help y'all with y'all's spiritual journey. <laughs> Greg, you missing it. You missing it. So I paused last night. And I said, God, you're going to have to feel me. Because evidently, I'm going about this the wrong way. Because if, if I get on the phone, what's she really going to get? I don't need her to get you. Because even in her loss, mental issues that she's having, you can still reach her if you, let me if you let me minister through you instead of you getting in your flesh. So I had to ask God, give me a spiritual refill. I wonder, is there anybody in here that's in need of a spiritual refill? <laughs> spiritual refill here, here's, here's the thing concerning spiritual refill I, 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 I know I have good friends and, and great preachers and, and um, they really debate with me about this particular issue and you could be in this particular thought as well so when I was initially filled with the Holy Spirit um, I was 17 or 18 years old and again, God did something different in me, just like when I was called to preach. I knew he called me to preach, but everybody else around me he called to preach could sing, and so they were kind of catered to, um, whereas myself, you know, <laughs> I ain't going to be no good preacher, no good pastor, nothing, because you can't sing. Same thing when it came to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, my initial gift was not tongues. That was an initial manifestation. The initial manifestation was, was healings and prophecy. I, I didn't speak in the tongues until ye, in tongues till years later, years later. And so some of my friends, they debated, well, you really ain't got it then. But, I'm, but I can see through muddy water on a cloudy day. <laughs> you really ain't got it. But I could, I could tell a difference in my attitude towards people. I may not have had the gift of tongues, but my love grew for people. My peace increased. And so I went throughout the scripture, and the first thing that I was looking for, does the Bible specifically say that this is the initial evidence? That if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, that this is the only thing that's going to happen. It doesn't say that. And so I started looking for other manifestation, and it was there. Like in Acts 4.31, when they were filled at this particular point, they didn't speak in tongues, but the Bible declares that they spoke the word more boldly. There's one place in scripture, one woman she prophesied, another she sung songs. So it was different manifestations. So I had to get that out of my head 
that when the Holy Spirit manifests in you, that there's always this one thing, there are varieties. I mean, who can really put handcuffs on God and tell him what he got to do? Can't put handcuffs on him. And I'm not anti-gifts, I'm not anti-tongues at all. I speak with tongues. Speak with tongues. I love it. Scripture teaches building up your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. It's how I build myself up in the Spirit. So when I got beyond that, and I got this understanding of having a daily refill, I began to incorporate this into my daily prayer life. God, fill me with your spirit today. Fill me because I'm, I'm weak from yesterday. If I really served God the way I was supposed to, if I, really, if I really did what I was supposed to do, if I really ministered to people, if I really encouraged people, if I really counseled people, if I really use that 20% of mental energy trying to strategize best methods and ways to do what I do better, then I'm spiritually depleted. So how am I going to go into a brand new day with, with the leftovers of yesterday? And how can you rightfully really do work based on yesterday's, the energy from yesterday's meal? You need a fresh refilling today. I just read for you in Luke, if your son asks for a scorpion, if, excuse me, if he asks for an egg, if he asks for a fish, will you give him a steak? Will you give him a scorpion? No. Jesus said, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, I will freely give him to you. He's yours because I want you to be filled with him because I realize you cannot do what you call to do without him. With the level of a spiritual attacks, when I first got this message, before I even brought it to my wife or anybody, I, I happened to be on a, it, it was not a mission trip, but we, we, we do this, this outreach at one of the apartment complexes on Sunday evenings, and I was out there with the pastor and this missionary, and uh, I was telling him about the message. And, and the missionary, she says, don't forget about the spiritual warfare that the enemy sends against you. She said, that's a spiritual attack to discourage you and to deflate you. That's what the enemy is trying to do in somebody's life today, but the devil is absolutely a liar. I can't stop the devil from coming, but I can fortify myself in the Holy Ghost so that when he comes, he finds himself running against a brick wall. God wants to do that in you today. Will you receive a fresh impartation today? Will you receive a fresh impartation today? Let me prep you. Number one, number one, you have to ask him for it. You just got to ask him. Going to your father, going to your dad and saying, Dad, I need a refilling. I need a fresh impartation of your spirit. You have to ask. Number two, not every time, but often, there's something in your life that's hindering or blocking the flow of God in your life. Sometimes it's obedience, partial obedience, something God told you to do, you just hadn't done. And you got to make the commitment, God, I'm, I'm doing it. And then sometimes there's sin in your life that's hindering the flow. Doesn't mean that you're not saved. You are saved. God loves you. You're his. But there's some sin in your life that's blocking the flow, and you got to choose. You got to choose to give up your Isaac and give it back to God.
puts God in that situation. 